Welcome to Odo, Did You Know? The podcast where we chat with people from the University of Michigan Otolaryngology Head and Neck Surgery Department and take a deep dive into something about them that you likely didn't know. I'm Tara Weaver-Holly, the host and communication specialist for the department. The goal of this podcast is to get to know people beyond their typical workplace interactions and find out more about who we are, what we're passionate about, and what sparks joy. So let's find out. Did you know? For the first episode, I'm sitting down with someone we all know, but I'm pretty sure you didn't know this about them. Here's a hint. That was a snippet of a piece played on the oboe by someone who spent two years as a music major in oboe performance while also majoring in organizational studies at the University of Michigan. She continues to play the oboe to this day, participating in various ensembles and community events. Okay, so I'm excited to welcome our first guest. Um, We've been teasing in the intro who you are. So without further ado, please tell us your name and your role in the department. I'm Ellie Samuels and I'm the Chief Department Administrator. Let's start at the beginning. Um, When did you start playing the oboe and why did you pick that particular instrument? So I started playing the oboe when I was going into sixth grade. So I guess I would have been 11. I was very excited about what was a ritual in my uh, school system. Um, I went to to school here in in Chelsea in Southeast Michigan. And it was a a big deal in fifth grade to pick what instrument you were going to play. I knew I was excited. I played the piano and was really excited to pick up an instrument. I had heard an upperclassman when I was headed to swim team practice playing this instrument that I didn't, I wasn't familiar with that I later learned was the oboe. She was playing in the hallway outside the, outside the pool. And of course it was this resonant hallway. So it sounded really, really uh, impressive and, and pretty, but I heard her playing her oboe and I said, what's that? That's what I want to play. Um, and I think it was really, I was drawn to it because it's different. I did want to, um, I had an interest at that time in sort of, you know, maybe asserting my identity as a sixth grader a bit through my instrument choice. I really liked how, how lyric, so how vocal it was in its expression. It's almost like singing through an instrument. And that's what appealed to me from both the sound, but also from the, you know, kind of the expression I imagine I might have. So picked it up then. And uh, after, you know, kind of passing the test of being able to effectively blow through the double read, um, which is characteristic of key characteristic of the oboe and kind of a tricky part of learning how to play it. It's a kind of difficult instrument to start on, but I uh, picked it up in, in sixth grade and, uh, it was a good pick. I loved it from the outset, even though it was a challenge and kept playing for quite a while and still play today. And did you find that starting out on the oboe, because it's so challenging, you didn't maybe pick it up as quickly as say somebody who was like a clarinet player or some of your peers who were playing other instruments that were, that are easier to play? It definitely took a while to feel as confident in my ability to sort of express through that instrument compared to those uh, around me in the band. Yes, I think some of the things that stand out, um, volume control is actually kind of difficult when you're a new oboe player. It's hard to both get the notes right and get the, the most, I think the most difficult part about the oboe is the mastering the art of, of creating the embouchure or the, the facial muscle 
position and getting strength to play it is really what makes the makes it a hard instrument to learn on. Well, you're also trying to do those basic things like master fingering of notes that, of course, are standard and typical across learning any new instrument. And then there's the volume control piece on top of it, which was, you know, it's kind of like best I could do as a novice oboist just to get that get the air put position through the through the reed, not break the reed and have fingering be in the right place. Uh, I recall a very early concert, my, my probably was my first concert uh, in middle school and junior high school, where afterwards, some of the parents in the front row, I could hear them audibly say, gosh, I had no idea that instrument was so loud. And it was not necessarily a compliment <laughs> to our to our playing. <laughs> It was a, you know, we were, and it is inherently very squawky, right? So it, it takes a little while to feel kind of those benefits and fun aspects of learning an instrument where it feels like it sounds okay. And like, it's easy to, to sort of grab a tune and, and play a melody. Yes, it was, it was trickier, but you know, as I described, part of my reason for picking it up and choosing that instrument was the uniqueness. And so I also enjoyed that challenge to figure out how to, you know, develop relative mastery of a, as a young musician. And I did have the advantage, you know, of getting a, it was a really strong music program in Chelsea, Michigan. It was also located so proximate to the university that I was able at a fairly young age to get attached to private lesson instructors that were University of Michigan School of Music doctoral candidates or, um, or others that were studying music there. So I had a lot of different people uh, serve as teachers along the way. And that was key at the, at the early stages, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Getting that early, like private instruction um, definitely helps. So you mentioned that you played the piano before you started playing the oboe. When did you start playing the piano? I started playing the piano when I was five. So I played just to, to learn it. It was one of those, my, my mom played the piano not expertly or anything, but just really um, wanted to cultivate a connection to music. And so uh, from a, the young age of five, I started playing the piano. I did actually, so I had to learn how to play the flute as well, because although I play it very badly, because uh, it's a requirement in the public school system that if you play, you know, a, a typical classical band instrument, that you participate in marching band to support a strong marching band presence on the field at the football games in, in my school. So that meant requirement of, of the, I had to play in the marching band and the oboe can't march. So um, the oboe's double reed, like the bassoon, it's just way too fragile to uh, be marching around on the, on the football field or in the, you know, down the street as it may be in parades or other marching activities. So I had to learn, I had to pick an alternative instrument. We could have picked the clarinet or the flute. I, I picked the flute. And so I marched with, with the flute, but that was really just a way to participate in the marching band and to, uh, to continue to play the oboe in the forums of like orchestra and, and band through school. Did you enjoy marching band or did you prefer concert season over marching season? <laughs> That's a good question from someone who's clearly exposed to both of those things. I actually, so I loved marching band. I, to me, marching band is about, it's like a team sport. It wasn't so much about the music. So it wasn't really about most of the, the flute you can barely hear in marching band. It was really much more about mastery of formations on the football field. Um, you know, there's a lot of fun team aspects to even just, you know, capturing a really great run at a, a local uh, city parade. So we had a lot of fun in marching band. Um, Friday, most of my Friday nights through high school were spent uh, on the football field and the pep band afterwards uh, in a 
in full marching band gear, uh, a lot to contend with, but it was a really, it was really fun. So I, I really, one of the things that I found really, um, the, the picking up the Yobo and joining the music program gave me access to the marching band. I also loved playing and the versatility of the Yobo meant I played in all sorts of different organizational, organizational, all sorts of different orchestral, um, a word I use much more often, usually at work, all sorts of different music ensemble settings. In high school, I played in the um, concert band. I played in the marching band. I played as part of the symphony orchestra. I also played in high school in a fiddle group that my orchestra director there started. So it was a uh, the Chelsea House Orchestra was created, um, formed when I was in school. And a lot of my friends were string players who were joining. It was a sort of Celtic Irish folk fiddle group. And they invited me to come along. And so I threw some oboe into the mix of the of that group. So we played at a lot of different music festivals in the area, small gigs at retirement communities, certainly for the school communities, as a little performing arts group around Celtic and Irish and folk music. I additionally in high school played with, I had the chance to play in the Jackson Youth Symphony Orchestra and in the um, University of Michigan Youth Symphony Orchestra. So a lot of my uh, evening and weekend time through high school was spent um, driving to different uh, locations and participating as part of different groups, played as part of a, a wind quintet um, out of uh, Jackson at one point in high school too. For the um, Celtic group, did they bring the oboe in as a kind of a substitute for the bagpipes or like the Yulian? <laughs> is it Yulian pipes that they, I think they call, the Irish call it, as opposed to like the Scottish bagpipes? I think that's a reasonable thing to conclude the idea was. It was actually maybe a little bit more flute connected. So in the sense that the Irish music might have a, you know, a, little, a pan whistle or something or, you know, flute, it was kind of more in that. I usually played along the melody that the violins were playing absent the, you know, the true fiddle um, activity. But yeah, so a sort of a solo flute voice, I think, um, yeah, probably that a little bit more than, but that's interesting. I'm going to reflect a bit on that as the bagpipes <laughs> in there too. Maybe it is. Yeah. At what point in high school or I guess maybe even earlier, at what point did you realize that you wanted to continue to pursue oboe performance in college? I can't remember a time point as much. Um, let me think about this. So I was participating as I you know, described so many in so many different ways. Music was a huge part of my life in high school. And as I started considering colleges, I didn't have any plans initially to pursue music as a career. Most of the, the undergrad programs I applied for, I did not apply for a music performance opportunity. I decided, uh, based on some encouragement from my private lesson teacher and some discussions with family and others, that I would submit a unique application to the University of Michigan that was both, a, so I applied to both the LSNA to the College of Literature, Science and the Arts to just engage a, an undergraduate education in the in the liberal arts and also a separate application to the music school to be an oboe performance major. I was so you can kind of hear through my voice probably the relative indecision about what I wanted to do with my life after so hopefully is I think is true of most um, or not hopefully but uh, so 
I, I wasn't sure where and how I wanted music to fit in. I also wasn't sure what I would do with the academic pursuits that I was taking in undergrad. And I wanted to, um, at the time of applying for college, I assessed, I didn't want to have all doors closed to the, to the avenue of continuing to consider how music might fit in uh, in some way. Uh, so I really just wasn't ready to give it up quite yet. And I saw an opportunity to do that. So when I got back, you know, information from my applications to college, I had the chance to consider a variety of, you know, acceptances that would give me a pathway to business school as an undergrad or a liberal arts program in, in another state um, or this option for Michigan to come and be part of both the LSNA college as well as the music school. And I determined, I remember deciding on Valentine's Day of my senior year of high school. I remember that because I remember putting the acceptance letter in the mail on my way out to school and then promptly getting in a wintry collision with the mailbox down the street. Oh, no. <laughs> but uh, so a, a vivid memory of, of deciding to, to take a step into college that continued my, my focus on music and to do that at the University of Michigan. What were some challenges of being a, a double major? Particularly, I guess, what were the challenges of being um, in the music program? Um, there were some challenges inherent to the experience of being a double major, some cha- challenges inherent to being a music uh, major in college and in general. And then there were some unique challenges to my experience in my studio, which is the term for describing the teacher, the musical professor who you come to study under. I think the primary importance relative to challenges. Being a music student in undergrad is is much like, I think it's probably fair to compare, is, is a lot like determining a more a vocational academic pursuit at the outset, right, of freshman year, right? So it was, I was studying alongside people who were singularly focused on music. They were only enrolled at the music school. They were there to study with a very specific professor. And it's quite intense, right? It's very competitive to try to land an actual career as a musician, which is that was the environment, right? It was a classical music performance environment. So it was, uh, it's very kind of total culture. It's a, an all-in environment where you are taking, a, you know, big load of, cl- of coursework, even if as just as a music student that's encompassing of music history, music theory, of course, all the ensembles, the private lessons, and then really every other hour of the day and the, you know, the long day of a Uh, of any college student is living out of the practice rooms, these tiny rooms in the basement of the music school. If you're lucky and you happen to snag a first floor room with a window, you know, that's a, um, that's a nice practice room, but living out of small rooms, practicing as much as you could each day, there's auditions, you know, before classes even start to land each student in a specific ensemble relative to their, however, their audition, you know, the based on the results of their audition, this um, to land you in an ensemble and to land you in a chair position as a function of, of your audition. So I experienced very directly, you know, I would remember because I was a dual degree student, you know, I was standing on uh, main campus on Welcome Week having a really fun time on Palmer Field with some of my, you know, newly met dorm mates. And I had to leave uh, because I had to go catch the bus to the music school and practice like crazy because the next morning at 8 a.m. I had my audition that would land my ensemble and seating assignment for my entire first semester. Uh, and I think that's what characterizes my experience over um, my two years in the program. So I did, I did two years of joint degree work um, as a music performance major and as a member of the um, 
LSNA college and eventually the organizational studies program before determining to focus entirely on my LSNA coursework and degree and to um, transition to you know more of a, a non-degree pursuit. I, I dropped my pursuit of the music degree as I entered my junior year of college. So for those two years, a really, it was highly structured, you know, again, as certainly many other experiences are, but so that was a real challenge to try to fit things together and to just really be in that total culture while also being um, in a different culture, right? Which usually is not, you know, is inherently not, not the case. So what was your favorite thing about being in the music program? I loved being part of that all encompassing arts community. I mean, it was I got to meet really, you know, meet great people who were dedicating their their lives to the performing arts. And that was across all disciplines because the the music school is also, you know, home to a lot of other performing arts disciplines. And that made for really rich friendships. I got to get insight into by studying with, you know, Detroit Symphony Orchestra musicians and my um, professor through the studio of like what the life of a professional musician uh, looked like on a much more intimate level. And that was really a, you know, a, a novel, a unique and, and enjoyable um, experience to be in that world. I guess you can probably tell by the way I'm answering that, that I always felt like a bit of a invited guest. Um, and that really felt that wasn't a bad thing. I mean, that felt very positive that I was able to access the community and access that connection, even though I uh, you know, I kind of had the sense I wouldn't really probably end up fully professionally in a music performance space, maybe entirely, but got to be part of it, which felt very like a privilege. I also did really, I liked honing the craft, you know, more. So I got the opportunity to, you know, to develop just that much more, um, learned that much more about the at that level about the oboe, about music, about music history, about music theory, which is really complex and challenging subject for me. Um, I, I didn't do all that well in those, but just the respect for the way that, you know, the interface of music theory and essentially, you know, math and music um, and, and appreciation. So I will say it also allowed me to to keep connected to my instrument at a level that was key to it still now being part of my life. So I think if I hadn't kept playing in college and been part of such a a serious music scene and advanced my own performance skills in that way, I probably wouldn't have the same opportunity to continue playing, which um, has been something that's really added joy to my life um, since that time. So you said after a couple of years, you dropped the music major portion that you were pursuing. What led to that decision? I found something that I really uh, liked studying in my other degree program that offered me the chance to connect to a future vision for myself as a post-college professional and and what I wanted to continue learning. It started to present some, um, some choices for how I would spend my time or what coursework I would get to manage. And so I really, it was a it was very positive uh, experience of realizing as I went to register for courses my junior year that I couldn't, I couldn't take what I wanted to take in pursuit of my organizational studies degree through the LSNA and honors college programs. I couldn't take what I wanted to because I was meeting music school requirements. Um, so that was the moment when I realized, wow, I'm trying to minimize this and again, that was only the the um, the kind of core curriculum part. So I knew what that also meant about my 
a real capacity to, you know, to get in that practice room and be contributing in those ways. I was finding that to be um, more and more difficult for me to create that time and also desire to create that time based on what was becoming to just be an increasing interest to pursue the, you know, the other thing. So, uh, so that was that point where I stepped back from the degree, uh, but really felt like I'd gotten so much benefit at that point that I'm, I'm really glad I, I did it for those two years. So you mentioned that you still actively perform and play. Can you tell us about like what venues you play in? Yeah, I've actually played in different types of groups at different points and primarily a function of what's going on with my uh, family and work life. Playing in, um, I've played in like community orchestra settings, the Chelsea um, Community Band at one point. I played in the Dexter Community Orchestra at one point. Took a, a hiatus from anything for a while when I had um really young kids and based on um, work commitments at the time. So at, at that point, then was really just playing more. I have a lot of musicians in my family. So we would, we play together out over the holidays. We'll um, do nice. some just informal that, that fiddle group that I was part of in high school is actually served as maybe, I don't know that I, that I would have been able to see that at the time, but the type of music that you pick up and play after dinner or around the kind of family uh, friend scene is much more in that vein, right? Like, so playing music that you can kind of uh, improvise around and things like that are certainly, you know, holidays. There's a lot of holiday music that's easy for people to pick up together. So um, in the last couple of years, I've uh, started playing again in some community settings. Most recently, I had this really interesting opportunity to play as a member of the pit with a, um, a musical that the Chelsea area players put on about Frank Glazier, who was one of the was a, a key figure in the in Chelsea, Michigan's early development as a town. And they were uh, most of the musicians in the pit were high school students in Chelsea, and they could not find an oboe player. Uh, one of again those advantages of playing a fairly unique instrument is some unique opportunities <laughs> make their way uh, to you because of a limited supply. So I got a reach out from you know a personal connection of somebody who was helping produce the the play, who said, "Any chance you'd be willing to consider this?" So I got to play in the pit. I love playing in uh, musical pits. I think it's one of um, it's a really dynamic environment. You know, you are actually really in a, a very live way adjusting the music. I don't know if, you know, if it's sort of evident from being in the audience of one of those performances, but you have to adjust the music live according to what's going on with the speed of the delivery of dialogue or what's happening with uh, maybe some missed lines or other things going on on stage. And so I really enjoy that type of setting where it's kind of a, you know, a game day type of feeling when we, when we jump into the pit together. So that was really fun. Um, the musical was was a really lovely community lift to put it together. And of course, being able to be back uh, in Chelsea and contributing to something and being part of something that was out of Chelsea was also really, really enjoyable. Maybe you felt a little bit like a full circle moment since that's where you started. It did. It was, uh, yes, I was back in in the high school band room um, uh, (laughs) where I had spent some time. I it was hard to realize how much time had passed um, relative to certainly the age of the high schoolers there who I was playing with <laughs> that right away, but it was full circle and it really had all of the positive uh, feelings I expected about just reminding me what I love about playing music, but also connecting with other people in the way that, that performing arts really, you know, really um, provides and requires. So great to play music with people, make music together was really full circle and, and really enjoyable. Okay, so just a couple of quick questions surrounding music. So do you have a favorite style of music you like to play? Baroque versus, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was, I, uh, 
or I Irish, do, you know, do you like the right. Irish? Yeah. I would say I do. It's hard to pick a favorite. I can tell that's why I'm, I, I really like the, I like playing different types of music. So I actually most like, I've stayed pretty, you know, connected to different when I, if I were to sit down and, and pull out a, you know, some music to play, it's likely to be either some, yeah, some like more kind of Irish or folk type of melodies, which are sort of fun to play on the, on the oboe. Um, it is probably the more that, yeah, Bach and Mozart, when it comes to classical, those are the most enjoyable, you know, music to kind of pull out and play. Haydn is some really nice oboe pieces. The Von Williams concerto is a really, you know, there's these kind of standards uh, that are used for auditions or that are some good, really good oboe concertos or oboe solos in different pieces uh, that kind of, you know, you have your, your favorite ones of those, but. Yeah. but do, it's, you, do uh, you have a favorite piece? I don't have, like, I guess I would, um, there's a Schumann romance that I like a lot that without thinking too hard and getting, you know, and thinking about what else I might pick as a favorite. That's one of my favorites. And and then there's um, Shebeg Shemore is one of my favorite Irish pieces to play. It's one that my sister and I actually have had the chance to play at a couple of family um, funeral services. You know, it's like a really beautiful Irish melody. And it also has that benefit of something that connects me to family. So I get a lot of enjoyment out of playing that kind of music too. So it's, those are probably my two standouts. interview um, and to help us get to know a little bit more about you I have a couple of rounds of questions so one of them it's I call the what's in a name segment okay you know everybody knows you as Ellie just short for Ellen is there a story about how you got your name or like a sentimental meaning behind why your parents gave you that name not really I think my so um, probably a little bit more knows my middle name is is Autumn Um, my sister's middle names are Lake and Woods Uh, And so, and when I think about kind of sentimental or connection um, to my name and where I think about coming from, it's, you know, my parents were very intentional, obviously, about bringing their, um, their love of nature and our, our natural environment into, into our family in the form of the middle name. So I, I think about that. Nice. That's interesting. So one of the questions is, do you have any siblings? You just mentioned you have two sisters. Do you have any additional siblings? two sisters. Uh, I am the oldest of, of three. And um, yeah. Do you consider yourself to be an early bird or a night owl? Oh, I am on the early bird side. I would say I plenty of times end up maybe um, overextending into the night more than um, more than is desirable, but, but early bird versus night owl. So a little bit along with that, do you hit the snooze button when your alarm goes off or do you get up right away? <laughs> I get up right away. I uh, now certainly I will say uh, in the moments of parenting, young children, I, I had my, you know, alarm with options almost like every, you know, three minutes to be able to sneak out however many additional minutes. And there might've been a couple snoozes for a couple of minutes in those spaces, but no, I'm generally a alarm goes off or, you know, sometimes before it kind of up and out and, um, and hit the day. Those two seem to go together early bird and like yeah. getting up right away. I think yeah. us night owls were like, no, we don't want to get up. So we hit the snooze. <laughs> like, <laughs> Do you collect anything? I don't think so. Um, I'm scanning my brain for like, 
is there something that I don't, you know, think of as collection? I don't think I collect anything. Did you collect anything uh, as a kid? I had different collections at different points. Um, you know, like a rock collection at one point, yeah. nothing that I would say I did sort of more seriously. Um, so some rocks from certain places that we visited or from the souvenir shop at various museums kind of thing, but nothing that really was a, a, a collecting passion. No. Yeah. Like an intentional, like yeah, Coke collection, you know, Coca-Cola collection or no. baseball card mm-hmm. collection. Yeah. Okay. Uh, roller I spent coaster. all my money on oboe reeds, so I didn't. Really <laughs> so you can you collected oboe reeds, oboe yeah. reed uh, parts, yes. right? Yes. <laughs> roller coasters, yay or nay? I'm still in yay. I don't do it very often, and it hurts a lot more than it used to. But uh, from just like a overall, like yes, I uh, you know would would uh, roller coasters, yay. And uh, lastly, is a hot dog a sandwich? Oh gosh, that's a good one. <laughs> I haven't heard that one, Tara. No. No, I'm just going to say no and go with my gut without a lot of, um, you know, debate prep to, to argue the point. But since you might, yeah, what do you think? Um, I, I tend to think no too. I mean, from a, like, if you b- boil it down, right. Something between two pieces of bread, if that's like your de- the definition of a sandwich, then yes, you know, yeah, like it's not a sandwich. It seems similar to me, but yeah. So I'm in the, I'm in the no camp too. So, well, um, thank you for talking with us about your musical interest. Like I said, I was, I don't know why I was blown away. Just, I guess, <laughs> I guess because, you know, you, a lot of people play instruments, you know, in, in elementary, middle school, even through high school. Um, but you, you don't really hear of a lot of people pursuing it past that into collegiate and certainly, you know, not a program, you know, Michigan's a, a prestigious program. And so, so yeah, the dedication it would take, you know, the, the ability to get into the program. Fun to share that with you. Yeah. yeah so. Thank you again to Ellie for joining me on this first episode, and for the snippets of her playing the oboe that you heard throughout the interview. She was joined on that last piece by her daughter playing the ukulele. Next time, I'll chat with someone who took advantage of all that free time we had during COVID lockdown and turned a hobby into a professional side hustle. So be sure to join me for the next episode to find out who it is. Odo Did You Know is a five-episode limited series podcast with new episodes released monthly. 